We all knew this was likely coming, but the league made a proposal to players on Saturday uh, to try to spur negotiations and end the lockout. But the players came away from it, quote, disappointed. And spring training was supposed to kick off today. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report today. So spring training is officially delayed, and we'll talk about it next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide episodes three days a week until the lockout ends, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube as well, so check us out there if you have not already. And by the way, we're five days a week as soon as the lockout ends, so yet another reason to hope for the end of the lockout. And coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about the fact that spring training is officially delayed because uh, Giants pitchers and catchers were supposed to report today, but obviously that is not going to happen. The lockout is still in full effect. The owners made a proposal on Saturday, and we talked last week about how this was a critical moment in the lockout because basically we've had a lot of back and forth. Not much has happened. The league, uh, Rob Manfred had a press conference late last week and said it was going to be a big proposal. Uh, It was going to get things moving and and the players should like it, but uh, the players came away from it not happy. And if we look at the details of the league's offer, it's not hard to see why the players came away from it unhappy. It's just a continuation of the way the league has negotiated all along, which is tiny incremental movement. And then if they give something, they're also adding something else that the players aren't going to like. So it was just more of the same. And I'm not here to say who's right and who's wrong. I mostly just want to talk about uh, what was proposed and why the players don't like it. So let's just talk about what was proposed. Basically, like I said, just small incremental movement on some of the key issues. For example, the uh, pre-arbitration bonus pool. Basically, as it is now, players who are not yet eligible for arbitration just make, uh, they're just eligible to make the league minimum. Teams can be generous and pay them more than that. Uh, Often it's slightly more than that. But until you reach arbitration, you're just not really making serious money in baseball. And so the idea here with this pre-arbitration bonus pool is to you know, have some money from MLB central revenues that goes to pre-arbitration players based on performance. And both sides fundamentally have agreed to this idea, but they're fighting over the amount that would be a part of the bonus pool. And initially, the players proposed $105 million in this pool and the league countered with $10 million. So then the players made a, uh, they in their latest proposal, they changed it to $100 million from 105 So almost no movement there. And then the league in this proposal on Saturday 
moved from 10 million to 15 million. Very clearly an intentional movement of the same amount that the players had made. But so they're still very far apart with the league offering 15 million, the players asking for 100, 85 million dollars separate them. The midway point by the way would be 57 and a half million dollars. So, hey, why don't they hire me? I'll just come in there and say, uh, gentlemen, 57 and a half million, meet in the middle, done, spring training starts today. But no, <laughs> they don't work that way. And I mean, what are we going to have to do? We're going to have to go $5 million at a time until we reach 57 and a half million dollars. What is the point of that? But that's how these negotiations have gone. Neither side is willing to Neither side seems highly motivated to get a deal done. They mostly seem highly motivated to get a deal that they that would be a big win for them. And so that's where we are. I mean, so the players uh, haven't necessarily agreed on what their next step is going to be and even whether they should make a counterproposal. And they're obligated to continue to negotiate. But if this is how it's going to be, then that's a problem. And so far, that is how it's been. So there were also slight uh, modifications to the league's collective bargaining, excuse me, competitive balance tax threshold offers. So currently as it is now, the the CBT, the luxury tax, begins at $210 million and teams start getting taxed on any dollars they spend above that. The players want this to be moved into the $250, $260 million range. They want uh, penalty-free spending up to that amount, a big increase from where it is now. The league is proposing $214 million, just a $4 million increase, which doesn't even keep up with current rates of inflation. And in this offer, or previously, they proposed a limit of $214 million in 2022, 2023, and 2024, increasing it by $2 million to $216 million in 2025, and $220 million in 2026 when the collective bargaining agreement, the new one, would expire. So on Saturday, they retained that $214 million number for the first two years. In the third year, instead of 214, they said 216. And then they said 218 and 222 in the final two years of the deal. So again, very slight movement. The players have been looking for the threat a threshold in the 245 to 260 260 million dollar range for the 5 years covered by the deal. So once again, there's I guess agreement on the principle. Obviously we have the luxury tax and they're both working within uh keeping the luxury tax, but they're just disagreeing on the numbers. But it also must be said that the league, this is one of those examples where they're quote unquote giving something up by increasing these levels, even though it's very modest, but they're adding uh, new elements to the the luxury tax that make it kind of worse. In their earlier proposals, they were saying that teams that exceeded the luxury tax would, would surrender a third round draft pick, and then the penalties for exceeding certain levels above the luxury tax were harsher than they are today, increasing to $50 million on the, or excuse me, 50% in the first tier, 75% in a second tier. I don't know exactly what the range was. And then 100% tax above a certain number. And that's much, much higher than those numbers are today. 
And so it's arguable that this is a worse CBT proposal that the league is making compared to the old one. So that is why the the players aren't happy. But in this proposal on Saturday, the league did drop that draft pick compensation or draft pick loss uh, by teams ex, uh, exceeding the luxury tax, but they're still proposing a 50% tax in the first tier. And I assume the same 75% and 100% in the next tiers. So easy to see why the players are frustrated by this offer that was made on Saturday. So coming up next, we'll talk about some of the other details of this proposal. And we're going to talk about uh, the league's response. We'll also, also talk about some news regarding minor leaguers and minor league rights and minor league pay, which is a big topic that we frankly haven't dived into enough on this show, but we'll touch on that coming up next as well. But first, it's that time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions. Not this year, though. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Truly unbelievable. They're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. Yes, you heard me right. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. You might be thinking, how on earth is that going to go hand-in-hand with my New Year's resolution to eat better? Well, let me tell you. Most Built Bars contain just 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, to go along with 17 grams of protein. Truly an amazing feat given the delicious candy bar-like flavor of Built Bars. So you can go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the exact same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Random example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store and just $216 from Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every single customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right? Locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. All right. As promised, we are going to continue talking about the league's uh, proposal on Saturday, why the players rejected it, where things stand with the lockout, as we are now officially in a spring training delay as we, frankly, since the beginning of the lockout and even before it, talked about as a very likely outcome. And so we're not yet to the point where the regular season is like inevitably going to be delayed, but we're a couple of weeks away from that. And again, I would bank on the regular season being delayed. That's how far apart these two sides are. 
And that's the only thing that's really going to motivate them. When there's really fire beneath their feet, uh, that that fire is going to be missed games because the players won't be getting paid. Like the reality of missing paychecks is going to be a motivating factor. And for the league, you know, there's a lot of money that obviously comes in when you have games. So we'll need about four weeks of spring training. We'll need a little bit of a lead up period to spring training. So uh, with the season scheduled to begin on March 31st, we still have a couple of weeks until the regular season is in the regular, the start of the regular season starts to be uh, not just in doubt, but inevitably delayed. And so we're not there yet. Today is kind of the official marking of the delay of spring training. And we march on with this lockout. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So yeah, continuing through the uh, kind of what was in the league's proposal on Saturday, there was more with the uh, minimum salary. The minimum, the league minimum salary is has been a topic of conversation between these two sides in these negotiations. Uh, the league made two proposals on Saturday, one of them involving a flat amount of 630000 for all pre-arbitration players. This is up from, I think it's right now, like 570500 is the minimum salary, so a, a substantial increase of about $60,000. The second proposal involved a tiered system with players making 615000 until they reach one year of service time, 650,000 for between 1 and 2 years service time and 725,000 for those between 2 and 3 years of service time. This is only a slight modification of the previous proposal in which the tiers were 615, 650 and 7,000. So I guess the only difference is actually the third number. The first two are the same. So the se- the third number increasing from 700 to 725. So, I mean, this is an area where I think I I can see them mostly agreeing. I think the players have proposed something in the $700,000 range, maybe a little bit more than that, for all pre-arbitration players. And of course, you know, the the bonus pool would be for certain players in this tier in these tiers, but they would be eligible for more uh from, you know, by their performance on the field. So, I think fundamentally these are like good ideas. It's just a matter of agreeing on the money. But there are also other issues as well. Something new that we've kind of heard about from this last proposal was that the league is proposing a limit on how many times a player can be optioned. So I think this is a concession. This is something the players want and has been in previous proposals that they've made. We just haven't really seen it uh, reported much. But the players have proposed a limit of four options per season which i think would be a good idea there's there is frankly too much sending up and down and this would this would be a big strategy change and it would affect the giants a lot they're one of those teams that uses options liberally and so if you limit a player's number of options there could be a benefit to that although i'm sitting here thinking well it also could motivate a team not to call a player up because they don't want to uh, burn an option because there's a limited number. So maybe a prospect, uh, whereas right now there's maybe no kind of downside because you can always send them down 
and bring them up and send them down. But if there's a limit of, say, four, you got to be careful about when you use them. But still, four is plenty. To option someone more than four times in a year is mostly just kind of gaming the system as opposed to, you know, I I just don't think there's any uh, real reason other than to take advantage of kind of cycling through more players onto your roster, which the Giants have done and done well, and it's helped them. So this would be a significant change and something they would work around just fine, in my opinion. But it would be something to that would change the way that they kind of manage their roster. So there's currently no limit on how many times a player with options could be shuttle, shuttled between the majors and the minors. And teams have increasingly taken advantage of this non-rule by constantly moving pitchers back and forth from AAA to always ensure fresh relievers are available for in-game maneuvers. While a five-option cap would still allow teams quite a bit of flexibility, it would cut down on extreme situations like the Rays recalling and demoting right-hander Lewis Head 12 times last season. So this is something, I mean, the, the players proposing four, the league proposing five, that is, it's not hard to see them ultimately agreeing. Although Evan Drellick says that the five-option cap comes with some yet unknown strings attached. So this is just yet another example of the league. Whenever they they give something, they add something on top of it that the players aren't going to want. And that must be very frustrating to negotiate with, but that's how the league has kind of moved through these negotiations. And then they'll say, look, we gave in this area, but then there's always something else. And so it's not hard to see why the players are frustrated. And it also is hard to see these two sides coming to any kind of an agreement anytime soon. And so it is going to be interesting to see what happens next because, you know, the, the, your gut reaction or just the, the standard kind of reaction would be that the players are in line to make a counter proposal. But we've had rumblings that uh, after previous league proposals, the, some players have felt like, those proposals were so bad they didn't even warrant a counter proposal. So it'll be interesting if we don't fall into that pattern right here and the players do decide not to make a counter proposal. But that's similar to what the league did last time. After the players made their proposal, the league said, okay, we'll make a counter. But then a couple days later, they said they won't. And then they said they were going to seek federal mediation. They did seek it. The players rejected it. And then the league said, okay, fine, we'll make a counter proposal. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the players do next and if they decide to take some more extreme measures than simply making another counter proposal where they move $5 million in the uh, pre arbitration bonus pool. It's just extremely frustrating as a fan. It is important to keep in mind that as of yet, the season is still set to begin on March 31st and it's possible that it will. So normally nothing really would be happening this time of year anyway. So while it's frustrating that they're in a lockout and that transactions have been frozen and all that, it's, I'm not yet going to be like really upset. I think once we start missing games and it becomes inevitable that we're going to miss games, I'm going to personally take a harsher tone on this, but as of yet, there's really nothing that's been lost. And today being uh, the, the start of spring training or what was supposed to be the start of spring training, I just feel like uh, this is the real first milestone 
of the damage caused by this lockout. I mean, I think there's been damage done from a PR perspective anyway, but to actually start missing concrete things for the baseball season uh, is a big deal. And so that's where we are today. So coming up next, as I said, we'll wrap this up and we'll talk about the some of the minor league stuff that's been going on. Uh, we've got some reports about uh, this class action lawsuit against Major League Baseball and some of the stuff that was said and some of the kind of crazy uh, reports coming out of these legal hearings. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. But first, football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam and both pro and college hoops are as well. Uh, from, from all the latest odds, totals, player performance, props, to where to find the ne- <laughs> to where the next fired coach is going to land betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs betonline remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season and it's not just basketball betonline.net is your source for hockey boxing and ufc odds right to the olympic coverage and information and of course baseball as well once that gets going again we'll be talking a lot about baseball betting opportunities at betonline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, as promised, we are going to wrap up this discussion, talk about what's going on uh, with minor league rights and kind of this class action lawsuit. Just a lot going on. It is good news, in my opinion, that uh, this conversation is getting louder and louder and it's kind of become more mainstream that people are aware of what's going on uh, with the minor leagues and minor league pay. Uh, For a long time, this was kind of a a fringe group that was advocating for minor leaguers. We all kind of knew it was happening. Nobody really, I don't want to say nobody really cared, but that's frankly, like most people just didn't really care. It was easy to write it off because not a lot of people were talking about it. It was one of those things. I mean, it's a weird analogy that's coming into my head, but climate change in the early days, are, right? Like we hear about it, uh, people are talking about it, and yet nobody cares, <laughs> nobody does anything. But then over time, the conversation gets louder and louder, uh, and maybe the the analogy is that today is like today with minor leaguers is kind of like today with climate change. It's become much more mainstream. People are aware of it and people are uh, doing more about it than they used to. So that's kind of what's going on right now. Um, and they've won some rights. There's going to be housing for minor leaguers. The league is going to provide it. Uh, we've heard from advocates for minor leaguers that they're not quite happy uh, with what the league is doing exactly because there are some loopholes, but still it's undeniable that it's a step in the right direction. There was also an increase in pay going into 2021 with the minimum salary for AAA players going up to 16.8 thousand double a to 14.4 thousand class a at 12,000 complex league at 9.6 thousand and Dominican summer league at 3000. So that was an increase a pretty substantial increase. I don't actually have the old numbers pulled up, but I know it was a big deal at the time. Those are still low amounts, right? Like for trying to live off of that. And then the kind of argument is that 
this is a year round job. You can't just slack off and let your body waste away in the off season. You've got to keep in shape and ideally you're training and working with instructors and, and getting better in the off season, but they're not paid in the off season. And as we saw with those salaries, you got to continue to work in order to uh, survive and sustain life and a family and, and live and, and have a place to live. So it's a problem. And currently what's going on in this class action lawsuit is they're fighting about, uh, I think the whole class action lawsuit is about this. I'm not entirely sure. Honestly, it's something I need to dig into more, but what we've heard in recent days is about, um, minor leaguers not being paid during spring training. And the, the, the comment that stood out the most was this was in an article by Evan Drellick in the athletic over the weekend or late last week saying that major league baseball hired a, was it a lawyer? Somebody, they hired somebody at a rate of $775 per hour to investigate what players were gaining from being at spring training. And that person concluded that it is the players who gain like $2,200 a week by being at spring training and the teams only just incur the cost of providing that training and they don't really get any value out of it. So the league is just fighting tooth and nail to not have to pay minor leaguers and they don't want to pay them for spring training and they call it a benefit to the players and not something that they should have to uh, pay for. So it's not a good look and, and kind of universally, I think people don't like this when they see stories like this come out, but that's where we stand. And it kind of goes hand in hand with what we're seeing during the negotiations. The league is just stingy. The league is penny pinching and just willing to fight for every last inch in order to save as much money as possible. That's what it, that's what it seems like. And they're willing to sacrifice their, their workforce. They're throwing, they just don't seem to really value their workforce is what it seems like to me and to a lot of observers. So that's where we stand. And that is all the time we have for today. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it, leaving a review, liking, commenting, subscribing, all of that good stuff. So thank you in advance and thank you to everyone who's done so already. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Anyway, I can't wait to be with you again two more times this week. Thanks again for listening. Stay Locked on Giants.